This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome inside the Braves booth. This is our 30th episode of From the Braves booth, our little podcast we've done here for over a year. And happy to have you with us alongside Joe Simpson and our producer engineer, Jonathan Chadwick. Ben Ingram here with you, and we're coming to you from Citizens Bank Park in Philadelphia, where the Braves face the Phillies tonight in the second game of a three-game series. And Joe, uh, got to go through a tough pitcher tonight, but looking to wash a, a bad taste out of our mouths from last night. And it's really interesting because you, you've got all these ball games; they're big, but you also have the trade deadline looming. So this is a big week for the team. It is, and last night was just proof, Ben, that. Now, the baseball takes funny bounces. They say that about football. Well, it happens in baseball, too. It happened last night to Max Freed and to Matt Olson on that ball that was hit to him that cost the Braves two runs. It was a difference in the ball game. Uh, it was a very unfortunate game. Think about going into that game, though, for the Phillies standpoint. They're saying, oh, boy, we got Max Freed tonight, you know. Uh, even I heard somebody up here in the press box go, well, that's an L. Yeah. It didn't turn out to be an L. And you could say the same thing about looking at Aaron Nola going, well, boy, that's going to be tough. You never know. He may be off tonight, and he does not even have a winning record. The Phillies don't score any runs for him. So maybe that will be a positive for the Braves tonight. I hope so. And, and something this team has done very well over the last year and a half is not allow really bad losses to snowball into losing streaks. And that's why I'm able to look back at a ball game like last night and say, yeah, that was, that was that sucked. Hated going through that. That stung. It's a bad loss. Some losses are worse than others. But this team has been so good, no matter how bad the loss may be, next day flip a switch, get back out there, put it behind them, and I hope that's the case again tonight. Yeah, me too. And I think our fans are pretty good about uh, understanding, too, that Guys like A.J. Minter, for example, last night, they're not going to be perfect every time. They make too many appearances. There's too much room for error, uh, depending on their use, out on the mound, and they can make a bad pitch. He made a bad pitch to Stott, and it cost us the ball game. But uh, before that, like I said before that, some other bad breaks went against the Braves. So not only the Braves, not only the fans, but the Braves team as well, I think they can wipe the slate clean and start over tonight. Yeah, I think so, too. Let's talk about the upcoming trade deadline because, obviously, every game is big. There are, what, 64 games left in the season going mm-hmm. into tonight. But, man, this these next few days are going to be enormous. And I guess this is our last show prior to the trade deadline. So by the time you and I have our next episode, episode number 31, things could look very different. I mean, you could see the team – uh, at, at its most aggressive level, maybe grabbing four players. I think you feel like you can at least grab a player or two. I, I don't know that it's going to be what we saw last year, but either way, you've got some needs, outfield, bullpen, and you're also having an eye on, on the Mets and what they're doing, who they're going to be going after, and this is really going to be a wild week that could determine what happens in this division the rest of the way. When you said that just then, when you said, you know, four or five players or whatever I remember distinctly yeah you saying that before the deadline last year and I thought that was nonsense I thought there's no way they would add that many players uh I I didn't know how many they needed and they didn't even have a they weren't even playing 500 balls so I thought that was probably excessive it turned out that was spot on and it turned out to be the difference maker in the whole season that led to the championship so I'm not gonna question any number yeah this year in terms of who they go get here's here's what i'm kind of looking at uh not that you ask but just that you know do we need another starting pitcher yes in my opinion we do does that mean if we acquire a starting pitcher that somebody's out of the rotation yeah of course it does and i think in at least the way i look at it your choice is to go get a, a solid starting pitcher and move strider to the bullpen as a boy, a, a blazing right-handed reliever. Oh, you or you go get that right-handed reliever and right. leave Strider in the rotation. That's your choice. Where which directions he, would Alex go? What well, might depend on what it costs to go get that particular guy. Now with the injury to Duvall, we also need an outfielder. Uh, we need some depth there, and you've got Rosario and 
Akun and Ozuna, who can platoon some. Uh, you can rotate those two guys with Darno as a DH, you know, depending on who the pitcher is, if you want to give Travis a day off. So you're okay there. It's not a desperate situation, but it would be better if there was another right-handed hitting outfielder available. Yeah, I think so too, and, and I'm glad you said right-handed hitting because if, if the right situation came about for an outfielder and they were a lefty, maybe you, you take the stab at it. But you need another righty, the mm-hmm. way I see it. And, yeah. and you could platoon with Eddie, similar to what you had with Adam Duvall. Um, I, I don't know that you have the prospect capital this year that you had last year. That, that doesn't mean that they don't have some minor leaguers, some prospects that they could trade to bring along what you need. But I wonder if it would take a package of a mix of maybe someone who's currently on your major league roster with a prospect or two or three. I don't know. Um, I, I wonder how – uh, how aggressive they want to be when it comes to making a trade if they would consider someone who's currently on the major league roster if that's what it took to get what you needed I don't know um, last year you're able to make some deals and some steals I mean absolute steals thinking about the Rosario deal right. the Duval deal I mean you hardly gave up anything Solaire but Solaire you gave up nothing for those guys um, and, and I, I wonder if maybe Alex finds a way to do that again. Either way, you've got some boxes to check. And like you mentioned over the last few ball games, hate losing Adam, but if you're going to lose him, now's the right time to do it. Again, I'm never going to say that'll never happen again, what Alex was able to pull off last year, uh, because he's so astute at, at analyzing people who could come in and help right away that may not be the guys that everybody else is talking about. And that was the case last year. Yeah. And we had the prospect capital to go out and get other people. And as you said, we didn't give up anything. The, the most instrumental player we gave up was Bryce Wilson right. to the Pirates. That was it. Everybody else was a, a contributing player, I'll call them, in the minor leagues, if that. So um, could he do it again without giving up a whole lot? Maybe. But um, last year we were fortunate that they didn't have to touch the major league club uh, let's hope that happens again because it's a good team. Yeah, it is. If you had to rank the needs, what would you – I know we, we mentioned starting pitcher. You mentioned outfielder. We, we've talked about bullpen arms. How would you rank those three in terms well, of how, how big the need is? It's an either-or, the thing I just said a minute ago. Either go get that uh, uh, really top-notch, front-of-the-rotation type guy. I'm not talking about a number one, but a number right. two type guy. Uh, and there are some out there, one in particular in Cincinnati. Uh, you try to go get a guy like that, and then you have the luxury of moving Spencer back to the bullpen if you want. But there is a definite need in the bull, bullpen for another right-hander. Mm-hmm. I mean, the emergence of Dylan Lee is spectacular. Yeah. Well, that gives the Braves four lefties. What is it? Yeah. Dylan Lee, Magic, Matzik, Minter, and Will Smith. Will Smith, uh, yeah. We're, we're left-handed heavy, and they're all good, and they're all capable of getting right-handed hitters out. But we need another one out there to go with McHugh and right. with Jesse, uh, somebody who can come in uh, and get one out maybe, you know, in a key situation and get a strikeout. Yeah. So that's where Strider would really be valuable down there. So either or on that at the top of my list. Yeah, I would love the luxury of getting both. And that way you just have options where I, I can go get myself a starter and a right-handed reliever. And then I can do whatever I want to with Spencer. That would be a luxury, and I understand that might not happen. But uh, I would love to have the option uh, of getting a couple of guys and then just seeing what happens. Um, I, I kind of expect this to be a bonanza at the trade deadline simply because of where you are in the standings and where the Mets are also are. And, and the way that the new playoff structure is for 2022, you don't. if you end up getting in as a wild card, okay, fine, you get in. But you don't want to do that anymore. That's a tough chore. You, you want to be one of the top two teams, making it as easy as you can on yourself come the postseason. And, look, the Mets are going to be very aggressive. Uh, their ownership has been aggressive ever since Cohen took over, and I would expect the same at the trade deadline. That doesn't mean that you have to, to match every single thing that they do, but I think you also know you got to compete with these guys. And if they're getting stronger, so do you. And I think these two teams might be the most active teams of the trade deadline. Yeah. Um, uh, maybe we should discuss um, who we wouldn't trade. You know, in our minds, who are the untouchables on this club? And my opinion on that, I'll ask you first, but my opinion on that has changed since this time last year. Mm-hmm. Who are your no- untouchables? Well, uh, obviously – 
your top three in the rotation. I don't, I don't, yeah. touch, I don't touch those guys with Wright and Freed and Morton. I don't touch the left side of my infield um, or, or first base, obviously. Um, I like the catching core. And, uh, I mean, my outfield, I mean, I, th- I think you've got what you need structurally with your lineup and your defense, uh, especially now that Michael Harris has come up and he's done w- what he's doing. I-, I think he's brought along so much value si- simply from the standpoint of defense, if nothing else. So at, at, at those are the guys that I'd put in that group. If, if I need um, – if somebody's calling about another pitcher, my ears are open. Um, I don't want to break up my top two or three guys, but in other words, if I need an Ian Anderson to get me two guys that I need or something mm-hmm. like that, mm-hmm. I, I would be open to that. That might be ridiculous to some people because he's so young and he's, yeah. he's already done so much, but I'm from the, I'm, I'm of the standpoint of it takes something to get something. Absolutely. You can't just trade a, a box of paper clips for an ace. Uh, and, and you have to evaluate, okay, what am I willing to give up and, and what am I gaining and what kind of value is there? So outside of the structure of those guys that I mentioned at the top of my rotation, my ears are open. I don't want to discount anything because if it takes a guy that is important to the team but isn't one of my biggest names and I can go get myself another big name, I'm willing to do that. And, and I, I kind of play on the side of aggressiveness at the trade deadline. Yeah, me, well, me too. Me too, but uh, you know Brian Snitker said something about a week or so ago about how these windows for championship, for championships, multiple, uh, those windows aren't open very long. Right, and a lot of that has to do with the age and experience of your players. You know they're they're not in their prime forever, so you might have a window of three to four and if, and if you have go five years right that's pretty remarkable right uh so you have to take those things into consideration that's why i'm with you i uh austin riley would is not going anywhere for a very long time dansby swanson is not going anywhere in a trade he's probably he's going to become a free agent uh, he'll have that luxury if he wants i'm not i don't want to trade him right um and michael harris is not going anywhere uh, absolutely not going anywhere. So if anybody, if if Alex was calling anybody and they their first request is Michael Harris, okay, yeah, sorry, deal's over. Chad with you next year. Yeah, pick somebody else. You know, go through the card catalog and find somebody else. Not happening. And the pitchers that you mentioned, the three pitchers, outside of those three guys, game on. Right. Because what if a team calls and says, let, let's use Louis Castillo for instance, mm-hmm. and it takes. Someone currently in the rotation, let's use Ian, and, and, a, and somebody that's one of your top prospects, Kyle Muller, for example, two pitchers for one. That's a deal that I think a lot of people would say, okay, I'm interested in because that guy becomes one of my top pitchers, and I feel really good about the four. Love the two that I'm sending the other way, and I'm not saying that that's a deal that would take place for, for either no. team, but just using it as an example. It's what we're, we're only doing – what everybody else does, sitting around the bar having a beer. Yeah, you know, we don't we don't have any influence on how it's done. We don't have um, the ability to influence another team. It's just speculation on our part of what we see because we know the team so well and what we might do. Now, uh, what you also have to factor in are controllable players. You mentioned Castillo. Okay, well Cincinnati's payroll and their team they're looking for value they're looking for guys that they can have some control over for several years the two guys you mentioned um they're they're neither one even very close to free agency right or in the case of kyle muller even close to um any type of monetary expense for a team like cincinnati so those guys are going to be attractive Mm -hmm. they are going to be attractive the guy coming back to us would be attractive because of that window and because of that right now, that immediate right now right. help and what influence he might have on this whole team rotation-wise every fifth day. So those all factor in, too, even if it's not a, let's say, a quote-unquote star player. They're controllable. They're good. Uh, in some cases, they've got uh, World Series experience. Right. And, um, and they're valuable. Because those teams that the Braves would be trading with, 
for the most part, they're going to be sub-500 teams, teams that are rebuilding, teams that are several years away. But they have to cash in for these chips that they're trading away. Mm -hmm. They they don't have many of them, or else it'd be a better ball club. So when when they're trading a big-time name, they really have to hit on those trades. Only in this case, uh, and and only in the case of a player who's uh, not near free agency. Yeah. If it's a guy who's going to be back with that same team for a couple of years, there's great value in that guy still being with a with Team X. But if he's going to be a free agent, they're not going to get anything for him uh, if he goes if he walks as a free agent. Mm-hmm. I don't think you even get a draft choice anymore. Right. So uh, there's a there's an urgency there on the guys that are going to be draft. Cho- I mean, free agents for these teams to do something that may not get the um, the players coming back that they would normally. Do. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what this looks like because we could see Juan Soto moved. We could see Josh Bell. I expect the Nationals the next time we see them to be uh, almost like their Triple A ball club. I'd be interested in what our fans think about Juan Soto. Yeah, you know, I'd. I mean, I'd really like to know. Maybe somebody can send us some letters and. Um, emails and texts and things and what they think what would they give up for Juan Soto uh what a guy who's been called a generational player what would you give up if Washington actually would be willing to deal within the division which I don't think they are um with Alex Anthopoulos yeah I'd be interested in knowing what our fans think it was sometime in the 40s it's the trade that never was I think you'll know exactly what I'm talking about with the Red Sox and Yankees, yeah. there was a proposed – there was a discussion. I don't know how far they got along in the process, but there was a discussion between the two rivals, Yankees and Red Sox, Ted Williams for Joe DiMaggio straight up. Right. And it never happened. But and, – and so I guess you wouldn't say – I don't know, maybe there's not a precedent for such a thing. But if if it were to be – let's use the Nats and the Braves and, the, and, and Soto, for example – I think you'd have, it'd have to be Acuna for Soto, mm-hmm. maybe straight up. That's who they'd want. That's who, exactly who they'd want because of how controllable Acuna would be at the price that he's – I think he's got another four years mm-hmm. plus two option years after S- that. Something like that. Uh, and, and, and at a significantly lower amount than what they've offered Juan Soto. Oh, God, yeah. Um, a, a quarter of that, a fifth of that with that last offer. Um, so uh, it, it, w- it would take a, an absolute blockbuster of a deal – if it were a one for one like that, I think if that if if you're the Nationals and you're talking to the Braves, that's probably the only deal that would be attractive to you. I would think that's what what Rizzo and the Nats would be looking to get is here's our star for your up and coming star, and maybe mm-hmm. another guy added in. I don't know how many teams actually fit that bill for having what they're looking for for Juan Soto. I know the Cardinals have have been uh, rumored to be putting together a package that. They say it would be enormous, um, but I don't know. I don't know what kind of deal gets Juan Soto in return. Well, Soto and Acuna would be virtually the same age. The uh, value in Acuna would be that he's controllable. You, you already know it's fixed. The contract, as you just mentioned, uh-huh. is fixed every year, and another team would know exactly what they were getting, uh, how good a player they were getting, and for what cost. There aren't any players like that out right. there. There are no other players that I can think of off the top of my head that match up, let's say, even up with Soto from another organization that have already proven themselves and that are already signed to a multi-year contract. And under what control. Tatis get, like 350 or oh, something like that? It's a crazy number, yeah. I mean, I, I guess they could, and it would be controllable, but it's way more way money. Way more, yeah. Way more money than Ronald. Anyway, um that's that's where that's the only place I think they they could go yeah. for that. Now, if they want a bundle of guys, you know, it's been rumored that the Cardinals are talking about uh, Carlson and two or three other te- guys on their major league team. Right. Well, what does that do to their team? It guts their team uh-huh. in, in in some ways. I know that uh, uh, Harrison Bader right. has been hurt, and they're expecting him back, and that would certainly help. There's all all kinds of other options and alternatives for the Cardinals, but uh, they would have to package that that five-man group to get one. See, if I'm the Nats, that's what I want. 
Mm-hmm. G- give me a bunch of players. Mm-hmm. And, and the one-for-one one thing is interesting. It would make all sorts of headlines. And, man, that'd be really wild swapping our right fielder for theirs. Right. <laughs> being, being the rivals that these two teams are. But if I'm putting myself in the national shoes, I, I want a bunch of players in return just because the, the more I have, the more um, I, I can throw to my major league roster and help these guys win. Um I don't know. I, I think it's it's really, really fascinating. And, and with the inclusion of the Mets being in the running and the Yankees being in the running and the Dodgers being in the running, the, these are big-time teams that are used to spending money who are in the race, and therefore uh, they could be very, very aggressive in going after some of those big names. Now, the, the Mets, um, I, I don't know their personnel that well, but I know that they've got two or three really good young players in their system, including a catcher. I know his first name is Francisco Alvarez or something like that, that's supposed to be a world-beater catcher on the verge of being in the big leagues uh, that would probably have to be included in a deal if they made it with the Mets. And then you always know the Yankees and Dodgers uh, are going to have whatever it takes to make somebody happy. Yeah. And the Yankees have two or three really good prospects, including a shortstop whose last name I think is Volpe, um, that would have to be included in the deal. So, like you said – do you want some prospects, some really high-end prospects that are going to make you, uh, when you look out at your field, you're going to say, okay, we're already better in three spots. Yeah. Or, you know, right now. Yeah. And we got a couple other guys that we sent to the minor leagues that we're hoping will develop into two more spots on our team. If that's what, um, if that's what the Nationals want, um, that opens up more teams. Yeah, I think so, too. I, I've always been – uh, of the mindset of for every five prospects you've got, you really got one. Yeah. So I, I, to me, it's a numbers game. I want more guys, but th- this is what's fun. This is what I love about the trade deadline because mm-hmm. we can. Listeners might be listening and saying these guys want to trade Ronald Acuna and Ian Anderson. I, I don't. I don't want to do. I don't have an agenda. Mm-hmm. It's just the discussion of and, and the reality of what the trade deadline is of what you have to give up in order to get what you want. That's why. That's why I'm throwing that out there. The the opinion of the fans. Ronald is so popular. He's so loved by especially the kids in Braves country. You know, what would that do? You know, how, how, do, the, uh, how do the fans feel about something as gigantic of the, as that, how seismic it would be yeah. in Braves country? Is it something that you would just shudder and say, no way, not a chance? Or is it something after watching Juan Soto play recently, I don't know. He's a pretty good player. Best hitter in the league for my for my money. He might be the best hitter in baseball. Yeah, I think so too. Um, but it, it's fun, and that's why I love the trade deadline. And I love the trade deadline specifically for the Braves because other teams who have larger budgets, uh, who have larger payroll, maybe they can get 1 through 26 on their roster exactly the way that they want it before the season begins and, and have all these enormous contracts. The Braves aren't going to be a top spender. They're hardly towards the bottom by any means. But what, I, what I'm getting at is is the trade deadline is so much fun for the Braves because I feel like you go into a season with a lineup, a roster that can compete, win ball games, and then you evaluate where you are at the deadline and say, okay, let's get that guy and that guy and buckle up and see what happens in the last yeah. two months of the season. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, just, it's fun to talk about. Um, this happens this time every year, and uh, Alex Anthopoulos – um, I'll say surprised us last year with the volume of players he got and the people he got were all hitting around 200 or under 200 and there was strength in numbers I guess Yeah. little did we know what was about to happen most unique thing I've ever seen yeah. at the trade deadline was what happened last year and winning the whole thing with um, how it all took place I'll, I'll never forget you said that as soon as the last out of the world series was made and, and we're putting a bow on it all. Braves have won the world championship. You said they were left for dead, and that's exactly what they were. And then the trade deadline comes along and changes everything. Uh, and it, it's it's a position of luxury this year because you don't need to change everything. You just need to add a couple of pieces in and maybe get back to where you were last year. That would be awesome. All right. Our email address is bravesbooth at gmail.com. Bravesbooth at gmail.com. Feel free to email us anytime. Maybe you're sitting around and you don't know what to ask, but – uh, in a few days, a question jumps into your mind. Fire away. We'll get those eventually. Maybe it'll be read on our next show. But we have a, a long list of questions to get to, and JC will be joining us here in a little while. And uh, we'll start with Bruce. 
Actually, we should probably skip that question from Bruce. Let's go to um, – uh, this is from Ken. What's an interesting question? It is Bruce. an interesting question, Bruce. What clicked for Dylan Lee that has put him in a position to be used in some higher leverage spots? That's from Ken. That's a great question. Uh, according to Brian Snitker, Ken, it was his willingness to go back to AAA and work on his slider. Uh, he was having a little difficulty with that in one of his first passes through the big leagues. And uh, like Ben said yesterday, you know, we didn't even know who Dylan Lee was last year till the very end of the season. So his willingness to do that and come back better than he was last year, I think, is the difference. And I, last night his inning went by so fast, one, two, three, and he was so good that I didn't have a chance to say, you know what, his other value is that he's left-handed and he throws strikes. Mm-hmm. If you're left-handed and throw strikes, you can pitch till you're 50, you know. So he's doing that and he's getting outs, he's having – easy he's facing three batters or four batters an inning and getting it to the next guy that's his value and what he's done good teams at the end of the year have guys step up and play at a higher level than you expected and he could be one of those guys for the Braves this year you need those it can't just be Austin Riley Dansby Swanson Max Fried Mm -hmm. you've got to have some other guys step up and play at a higher level than you expected and that's what Dylan has done to this point in the season hey JC how you doing hey Ben hey Joe hello Jonathan Got anything on the on your list or on your agenda up there? Sure. Uh, this question comes from Zach. He'd like to know why the Phillies the Phillies playing surface looks so bad. Well, we got an explanation yesterday, Zach, that they had some concerts out there uh, while the Phillies were on the road and during the All Star break. Major concerts. I think one they said was Elton John, uh, which is very impressive. If you've never seen Elton John in concert, I'm sorry you missed him because he's awesome. Uh, so they had to replace all that grass out in the outfield where they had the stages and the sound equipment set up. They had to resod, and it's it's a two-tone outfield. Scott Fransky yeah. from Phillies Radio actually told us they had to replace 34,000 square feet of sod. Man, that's getting busy on the All-Star break. Yeah, I hope you've got a sod farm somewhere. <laughs> Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. Uh, this is from uh, John. Is Ronald healthy? There seems to be a lack of hustle and focus from time to time. I'll stop short of saying he's not playing hard, but he doesn't always look like he's giving maximum effort, and that's from John. In my opinion on that, John, and that's been asked a, a little bit uh, by more, more people on social media here lately, I don't know how he's feeling with the knee, uh, we don't know exactly what he feels like and, and what it's like for him in the process for him to get back to where he was. I like that he's in the order every single day. And um, the more he plays, the closer he's going to be to bouncing out of it and getting back to being the dynamic player that we're used to seeing. Yeah, there's a sense that maybe he still has, and I don't want to call it a fear for his knee, that he doesn't want to risk going through all that again. Yeah. Uh, whether it's running into the walls or diving for balls or whatever the case might be, uh, and, and he doesn't seem to be favoring it. There doesn't seem to be any limp or any that, anything like that, and he's running like crazy when he really gets going. Uh, but there just seems to be a, a level of temperance on that where he's just trying not to overdo it. And, and in conjunction with that, Zach and Smyrna said, do you think maybe Ronald is missing Ozzy Albies being around every day? And that's contributed to his recent slump. I know the two of them are very close. And there's probably some element of that. You know, he, Ronald's got other pals down there sure. that, that uh, are very close to him, but there could be some of that too. 
The game's hard. I mean, you can tell us that more than anybody, Joe. And and I don't care how talented you are, uh, how much success that you have had. Everybody's going to go through stretches where they don't play the way that they want to. And uh, it, it wouldn't shock me if we get into mid-September and we look back and say, wow, look what Ronald has done since August 5th. He's that kind of a player where he can turn it on like that and be as good as anybody for a long stretch of time. So that wouldn't shock me either. No. And uh, uh, there was another question here that I previewed earlier, and I, I don't see it right in front of me right away, but um, I'll give credit to the writer when I see it again about it becoming a mental thing. You know, when you're when you're fighting it like Ronald is right now uh, or anybody else, like Dansby at the beginning of the year. Gosh, Dansby was, you know, 170 or something, 160. Um it does become a mental challenge, almost a mental block that, man, I got to get going. Man, I'm better than this. Man, what am I doing wrong? And the constant work uh, mm-hmm. kind of adds up on you. That's from Ryan. I just found okay. it. And it was specifically for you talking about the mental side of things, coming off an injury, uh, getting the swagger back, that kind of thing. I think that, that all has to do with everything that you're talking about. And that swagger, you guys, you fans know, and we know when Ronald starts putting it together, and he's been hitting at least one ball really hard every night. When that starts becoming two and three a night again, but more importantly, when a few of them fly out of the ballpark, there's going to be the the parade. Yeah. You know, there's yeah. going to be the swagger, and that will be when he really goes. Well, I love that here lately he's been squaring some balls up, and he's still running. I mean, he's got 20 stolen bases. Yeah. Uh, and we saw the, du- the uh, double steal last night that he and Michael had later in the ball game, and unfortunately they were left stranded. But uh, he's still running, and that, that's a good sign, and that part of his game hasn't taken a, uh, a day off. Here's one from Austin. Did Jeff Francoeur quit? He uh, might have. Well, that's a good question. We're, we can't answer that, Austin. <laughs> um, we've uh, tried to reach him. We've tried to be in contact with him to ask him. Uh, you know, he's kind of gone into hiding, and he's a recluse of sorts. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> no, he's actually going to be back, I think, next week. Tonight, he might be doing a game, Yankees and Mets, on another network, as they say. Uh, I think he's going to be back to work tonight for another network and then join the Braves next week. And then we'll see him when we get home. Yeah, he, he uh, Here's what I like about Jeff is, look, he's got, what, four young kids? Yes. And whatever they do, that is at the, at the very front of his priority list. And he's told – uh, TV folks, here's the number of games I'm doing because I don't want to miss this game or that recital or this cheerleading competition. And mm-hmm. uh, just a terrific job, I think, as a father, balancing the the work schedule that we have to to do this as well as being a father. I, I give him props for that. Me too. I I, I appreciate that very much. Um, I see this is from Carson. I see a ton of non-uniform people in the Braves dugout each night on TV. Why are there so many people? That is a great question, Carson. It's a big traveling party. Ooh, yeah. Um, we, Carson, we have their positions now that didn't exist five years ago, let alone 20, 30, 40 years ago. We have nutritionists, uh, strength and conditioning guys. We have a, a full-time masseuse. Not for us, unfortunately. Physical therapist. Physical therapist. And, and they have a whole team of guys. And the funny thing is, Carson – the Braves don't even have the largest group of, of that uh, kind of staff as some of the other teams. The Giants came here. What was it, J.C.? They had like, like 20 – they travel like 20 more people than the Braves. It's like 80-something like people. 80, yeah, traveling party. And, I mean, they got everything from uh, psychologists. I mean, tra- not, not just they're on the payroll and you see them when you see them. They're traveling with the team every single day. Sleep co- They had a sleep coach that traveled with the team. The Giants did. Um, I, I don't know how that works. I mean, if you're not sleeping, do you call the sleep coach in the middle of the night and say, hey, what do, what do you got for me? You want to make a run up here? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Doors unlocked. I just can't get to sleep. You know, I'm wondering if, you know, they have the mental coaches, if they have analysts for the mental coaches. Right. You know, it's like a backup. It's like, you know, we've noticed that your ability to get into the mental side of things with player Z <laughs> is not up to the standards and the averages 
across Major League Baseball. Right. It's like the scene in The Natural. Losing is a disease. <laughs> that guy. That guy. Exactly. As contagious as polio. <laughs> that is it. Uh, when, when the Giants were in town, um, Dave Fleming comes into our booth. He's telling us about all these con- these coaches and specialists. When he said breathing coach, that's when I left the room. Yeah. And he was serious. Yeah, I know. A, a traveling breathing coach. We're going to have to ask Fred Stone down in the visiting clubhouse at Truist Park. Where do they house all these people in the clubhouse? There's yeah. not room for 80-something lockers in there. No. I, don't, I have no idea. Man, oh, man. It's a different different deal, that's for sure. Uh, we were talking about this last night because of something really funny that was on um, Twitter or Facebook, not sure which, that was sent to us by our boss about – Basketball broadcasters and baseball broadcasters. What one says versus what the other. And the subject came up about baseball broadcasters making fun of baseball. About how to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich while the game's going on, you know. Well, first you put peanut butter, the ball to peanut butter on your bread. and then you, So, Jonathan, you didn't get to voice your opinion. How do you make your PB&J? It's normally with honey wheat bread. Peanut butter spread on one side. What kind of peanut butter, though? Smooth? Or? Smooth. Okay. So you're both smooth peanut butter guys. Yeah, you're not. No. Jelly on the other half. I'll wash the knife after I use the peanut butter, or I'll just grab a second knife. <laughs> spread jelly on the second half, put one on top of the other, and then cut it diagonally. Okay. Same way every time. Same. I've never made a PB&J any other way my entire life. Well, let me ask you. If there was, if you're out of grape jelly, do you use grape all the time? Always grape. What if you're out of grape? I don't eat a PB and J. Even if you've got a little strawberry in the fridge. No, sir. See, I'll do grape or strawberry Me or black. Too. I don't care about the jelly. I'll go grape or strawberry. That's about like it. Like any time we're on the plane and they have those little uncrustable sandwiches for a snack. Oh yeah. I'm always grape jelly. You do. You always give me the strawberry. If ones there happens you. to be a strawberry uh, uncrustable with peanut butter sitting at my seat. No problem. I just turn around and hand it to Ben. Okay. All right. Well, you and I talked about ours last night. Mm-hmm. I mean, we'll kind of follow that same pattern. Yeah, that was, um, by the way, a, a great follow on social media, Joey Molinaro. It was, he was the one who did the, the comparison on okay. Twitter of the basketball broadcaster versus the baseball broadcaster. Really funny stuff. Really funny. Um, I'm wheat bread, chunky peanut butter with the, you know, the peanuts and everything. Whatever jelly I got, I don't care. A lot of times I'll go peanut butter and honey. Very underrated to me. I mm-hmm. love peanut butter and honey. But I'll do the jelly first, spoons or the, the knife slightly cleaner, lick it clean, peanut butter, put it on there, lick it clean, cut it down the middle, mm-hmm. and I'll do – sometimes I might get really aggressive. I might take that half, dunk it into the glass of milk. Oh, I haven't thought of that. And then – I mean, just pig oh. out, but oh. it's pretty good. I, I wow. can tell Ben's not married. That's such a flawed approach. <laughs> with the licking of the with knife. the licking of the knife and yeah. putting it back in the jar. Yeah. You that, can tell he lives with no one else. Yeah, it's we, just me. Yeah, we don't do that at home. But uh, Kathy. Well, when you live by yourself, you can lick anything you want. That's true. Good point. That's good enough. Uh, <laughs> Kathy will slice some bananas on hers, too. Yeah, that's good. Have you ever done that? No, yeah. I've done a peanut butter and banana. Maybe that's what, yeah, that's what she does. Yeah, peanut butter. That banana. was the uh, the favorite of Elvis, the fried peanut butter banana mm-hmm. sandwich. Not the healthiest thing in the world, but man, it's good. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm. I prefer grape, smooth peanut butter. I I like. I don't have a jar of jelly. I've got the squeezable bottle. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Grape jelly. Okay. Okay. You with me? So you don't even need a knife. I, so I don't need a knife other than to just smooth it out. Right. You know, I'm just kind of spreading it around the bread as it's coming out, and then I kind of smooth it out. But once I start eating it, and do you eat potato chips with it? Normally. Yeah, me too. Sour cream and onion. I, I could if, if I yeah, got some. Just a little salty taste to help. Yeah. But by the time I get finished eating, my plate has got about a third of the jelly on it that I'd already put on the bread <laughs> from, from just falling. I put so much on there, just squeezed out the bottom. <laughs> you scoop them with a potato chip? Uh, probably. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, you guys are going back to Miami on the next road trip. Did Joe ever find some sexy beach attire? Meow. Well, I That's forgot about that. And the answer is yes. And we're going back there on the next road trip, and I'll have something new worked out <laughs> uh, for everybody down there on the beach. And the the reveal that I like, that I enjoy, is to try to be in the water before everybody gets there so that when I come out and I flip my head back kind of like, you know, 10. Yeah, yeah. You know, Bo throw, Derek. Bo Derek just kind of throw my hair back as I come out of the beach oh, with yeah, that's my sexy. outfit on. It gets a lot of attention. Yeah, it does. I'm surprised it hadn't been in <laughs> photographed. Yeah. It's going to be a great off day in Miami. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a question from Beth. She'd like to know who's the funniest member of the broadcast crew, TV and radio. Uh, two guys to me that always make me laugh. Joe always makes me laugh, and Peter Moylan always makes me laugh. It's 100% my answer. Yeah. yeah, Peter's crack up. You guys both make me laugh. You guys you guys are so dry um, with your your humor that that's what always gets me. It doesn't have to be a monologue or a routine. It's just a little uh, snipe here and there, just a little shot across the bow that always makes me laugh and that's what's what's great but yeah i love i love peter he is quick yeah he's funny he really is you got one jc yeah hey fellas quick question this has been on my mind for a while now i hear you often say front door or back door slider when describing that particular pitch is there a difference between the two as always keep up the good work i enjoy the broadcast any chance i get Oh, and one more thing. Hit them with the hook, player. Yeah. <laughs> that comes hey, from Pat Douglas. You do you, player. Hey, you know, I love these types of questions from you guys because sometimes I don't like the thought that we talk over your head in any way. Uh, when I first started doing this, I was reminded by Dave Niehaus, my mentor in Seattle, that you got to remember that there might be somebody listening tonight who's never listened to the game before and doesn't know what bp means you know doesn't know what heater means or whatever yeah. whatever the adjectives we might use uh so i'm glad when you ask these questions so there, it's a reminder to me uh specifically to not forget that and explain it pfps exactly yeah and, yeah i, I it's just uh, don't forget about that so thank you for that question very much uh i don't know what that means we just made it up um <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Front door. Picture a right-handed batter and uh, left or right-handed pitcher. It doesn't really matter. Uh, yeah, it does. Right-handed hitter, right-handed pitcher. Okay? The front door would be his the inside corner to him. You're coming in the front door. That's also referred to as getting in his kitchen, basically meaning you're going in there with a pitch to blow up his bat like you're blowing up his kitchen. So the front door would be the inside corner and the outside corner would be to a left-handed hitter from a right-handed pitcher where you're coming in the back door, breaking that ball off toward the right-handed batter's box and coming in the outside corner, that would be coming in the back door. Yeah, that's but it. That's the best I can mm -hmm. describe it. That's exactly it. Anything else on that, Jay Chad, you want to add? No, I think you covered it. I mean, it, and, and a lot of times it's a it's a breaking ball one way or the other. Yeah. Because it starts outside, comes back and hits that corner, whichever side you're talking about. Mm -hmm. You know, fastball, I guess you could you could use it, but you need a pitch that's going to start outside and then dart over the inside corner mm -hmm. through the front door, through the through the back door. Yeah. Inside inside corner is always the front door, and the outside corner is the back door. Um. That was a really a good one. Mm -hmm. Let's see. This is from Bill. What will be the trickle-down effect of Adam Duvall not being available for the rest of the season? And uh, I think the first answer to that is it, you're already in the position now to go trade for another outfielder. That's the first trickle-down. Yeah. You have your eye open for somebody else, and then whomever you get, how good they can be, that, that continues the trickle-down effect, I guess. There's some guys out there. There's some uh, free agent-to-be outfielders. Uh, that are on non-contending teams that might be attractive. So um, just a matter of what what, what cost, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, I also like this question from um, Chip Hendricks in Chickamauga, Georgia. I just like saying Chickamauga. 
I hope that's a good town. I need to go there someday and check it out. I love these podcasts. You guys are the best in baseball. I love listening to the broadcast on my iPad. This question's for all of us. Do you guys prefer the players to wear their team's uniform, or do you prefer prefer them wearing the uniform that Nike designs for the game? Meaning, I'm guessing, the City Select uniforms. Yeah, yeah. City Connect. City Connect. City Connect uniforms. Um I, I haven't seen too many City Connects, Chip, to be quite honest, that I actually like. Well, I think he's talking about in the All-Star game in particular, would you rather see, oh. for example, you know, Austin Riley wearing his home white Braves uniform yeah, yeah. and, you know, 100%. the guy next to him wearing his home white whatever National League team it happened to be uniform, or what they wore this year, the National League wore the white uniforms and, and gold across their chest that had mm-hmm. their team name, where the American League wore – Kind of that cement gray, uh, dark gray with you know in gold with their yeah. city across the front of their uniform. I love the collage of all the different uniforms and whomever's the home team, they wear their whites. What they normally wear, the visiting team, they wear their grays. I'll, I'll give Nike credit. I think they did a better job this year uh-huh. with because the ones in Colorado last year were awful, brutal, one of the worst unis I've ever seen. These at least look cool because it was the actual. Uh, uniform logo that you're used to wearing yeah. is just in gold. Yeah, I didn't mind which that. Which was cool. Yeah, I didn't mind that. It was a, it was a, it was a vast improvement. Uh, but I still love seeing the all the different uniforms, uh, just a, a collage of all of them together. You want to wear the um, uh, the all-star uniform, do it for the home run derby like you used to, and then the normal uniforms for the game. That's my You're, you're there representing your team. Yeah. You know, you don't want everybody to look alike. And your fans want you to stand out wearing your uniforms because they're proud of you. Uh-huh. So, uh, yeah, I was okay with the All-Star Unis this year. This year. What they did this year, I liked them way better than anything of they've, they've done in the past when they've gotten away from the traditional yeah. uniforms that they wear. However, my preference, if you're asking me and you are, I, w- I want to see every guy wear their team's uniform. To me, that's what it's about. That's the way it should be. I understand why Major League Baseball and Nike does what they do. I get it. But just from um, a, my preference, I'd love to see everybody in their uniform. Mm-hmm. Yeah. By the way, going back to the City Connect uniforms. Yes. Um, I know we've talked about these a few times. We've wondered what the Braves might look like. Because every team will get them. They're they're doing, I think, seven a year for however many, uh, for four years. I guess that last year you'd have nine or whatever it would be. Um but from what I understand, and I was able to chat with Insung Kim with the creative department with the Braves and was trying all I could to get as much information as I could about the unis because he knows I'm a big uniform guy. And I could tell he was really struggling, saying, like, oh, I want to tell you so much, but I can't. I said, just give me something. What can you tell me? And I was telling him about our ideas, about yeah. a peach with the seams on there. And yes. he's, he's laughing, and he's like, all I can tell you is is that – our city connects, which I think will be next year, aren't off of the current brand that the team has. In other words, we saw the Padres. They, they come out in like teal, pink, and yellow uniforms and yeah, just well, way different. Boston. Yes. It's yellow and powder like blue. like UCLA. Yeah. He told me, he said, all I can tell you is it's not far off of what our normal brand is. So we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. That's comforting. Yeah. It's not going to be some outrageous something that no one's going to like. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Oh, let's see here. I got one here. Okay, go ahead. Derek from Fort Wayne, big fan of the radio broadcast team. Always look forward to listening to the game while I'm working. My question is, why don't Major League teams, the Braves in particular, bunt in order to manufacture more runs? I know our lineup is full of great power bats, but a run is a run. Thanks for your hard work. Keep it up. Chop on. And just below him from Thomas 
from Woodstock also had a similar question um, talking about how it's obvious all the Dodgers were sitting off speed back in the postseason of 2020 and the, the Braves weren't making adjustments. Uh, why don't – do we have the luxury of going down and saying something to anybody, uh, talking to the players or coaches? So let me answer the first one first, and that is it just – it's become baseball-wide, uh, Derek from Fort Wayne, that you don't bunt anymore, that it's not, it doesn't pay, pay you back like it used to. That's what they say. That's what the analysts who have never played the game say. Uh, that's why there's no, no stealing of bases. The, the risk is too high. Leave the guy at first base. You're not going to get him in from second. Oh, really? Um all of these things that have that are analytically driven now that are basically imposed on the field staff to don't do this they'd re- much rather a guy swing for the fences and hit a home run that's that's why it doesn't happen anymore because of the influence of analytic nerds uh last um there have been times in my broadcast career where I have gone to a coach and said, this is, you know, for what it's worth, I noticed this about a guy's swing or something like that. And 99.9% of the time, they would say to me, you know, good catch. Yeah, we're working on that. We've noticed that too. But it was it was something that to me was so obvious that I needed to say something. Yeah. That I, w- I would never go to the player. Uh, that's, that's out of line for me. Or me or anyone else to do that, but I would go to a coach. That makes sense, um, and and I think they would appreciate that because uh, you've played, you've been down there, and you having an eye on things. It it it's just another layer to keep things from falling through the cracks and and helping out. And that, that we want the same thing they want. Right. Um, this is from Seth, and Seth says I've recently come across Bob Carpenter's scorebook. I was curious if y'all use his or have. Uh, another preferred book to use. Keep it up, go Bravos. That's from Seth in Walnut Grove, Georgia. Seth, that's actually the book I do use, and I've used it for about ten years now. I think. JC's got you get two a year, don't you? From I some do. Other I, company. It's a company called Ephus League. Uh, a lady named Bethany Heck makes them out of Auburn, Alabama, and I have to get two a year because it's there. It's eighty-one games in each book. Uh, so there's no room for any error, really. Uh, and then I have a playoff book that I just do for postseason games. Um, but I like this book because I like the size of it. Yeah. It's easy to travel. Like a regular notebook size. And it has everything in it that I need uh, for where I sit and what I do. Yeah. I don't have all these extra notes on my scorebook that maybe you guys do. But really, I found these, I don't know if, Probably five or six years ago, I think Bethany does a great job with them. Uh, I order a few of them from her a year, and, you know, at the end of the day, I just like the size. What's her website? Uh, I think it's just EFIS. Let me look. I think it's in here. I think it's just EFISLeak.com. Okay. Mine is one that I uh, took from a, a great broadcaster out west named Monty Moore, who is with the A's primarily, but a, a wonderful gentleman and a great broadcaster. And I saw his scorebook one time and fell in love with it and asked him if I could have a page out of it, and he said, absolutely. And from there, what I did was just improvise with things that are important to me that may not have been important to him, you know, and yeah. a little white out here and white out there to uh-huh. fix it the way I wanted. And my book is bigger than Jonathan's and bigger than yours, uh, mostly because I can't see. So <laughs> I've got to write big. No, it's just because... Um, I, I like the size of it. I don't. I don't mind it being a little bigger. It fits in, fits in my backpack, so that's all well and good. Uh, there's something here. It's from two different people. Um, I'm, I'm not sure if this is from Tucker or not, but he says, "Hey guys, love listening to y'all call games." And he and he says, "Have y'all synced with the TV feed?" almost every night uh-huh. and there was another one that i don't have in front of me again uh that i that i read that said how do you do that you know they're having right. trouble because of the delay 
and and I honestly don't know. Do you guys have a clue how to do that? Yeah, and so from what I understand, there's two ways you can go about that. Number one, um, I mean, most people with their TVs now, you have the technology to pause live TV and that kind of thing. So people who are listening to the the radio, I'm I'm, I'm not talking about the radio feed, have their radio tuned in. They'll turn that up. And then pause, play, and, and you have to make that an art where you're trying to sync up the TV with the radio call. I know that when it comes to the streaming feed, if you're listening to, I know that we stream on the 680 The Fan app. We also stream on the, uh, the MLB app. Uh, it might be a similar thing, but I know that on that MLB app, it gives you um, the option to choose which uh, audio you'd like to listen to. Oh, right. And what you can do is, and this is, you have this on your smart TV or on your phone or whatever it may be, uh, there is there is an option there to choose home TV, road TV, home radio, uh, road radio. And I don't know if they still offer this. There used to be an option of just crowd noise where you just the game's on and you have the, the crowd noise and there's no broadcast. I don't huh. know if they still offer that or not. I, I think they might. I'm not sure. But I know that you can do that, and we don't get to do it because we're doing we're doing this. It's it's very rare that we're not calling the game, and, and we would go do that. But I've got a friend, one of my best friends. He is in South Carolina, uh, my friend Bryce, and he uses that option every single night. So he just goes to the game, clicks Braves versus whomever they're playing, chooses Braves radio, and there we are, and it's automatically synced with that. That's just an option of the MLB app. Outside of that. You just got to get good at trying to time it all up together. And, and I'll give you a secret. The best way to, to try to time it up is the bat crack because uh, that's yeah. the sound, and you can see it, and that's, that's how you can try to pair it up. I know that it gets difficult to do, but a lot of people do that. We appreciate that, too. Uh, well, and the other part of that, too, uh, if that was if I was accurate from Tucker, um, is we're hearing this more and more about people who are syncing it up with our radio call and we sincerely appreciate that and just so you know it's happening a lot for whatever reason you mm -hmm. make up your own mind on that but we appreciate it by the way they were taking some ground balls as we're doing this uh the Phillies are taking a little extra ground ball at work down in the field and Alec Bohm had a ground ball hit to him at third base, and he bobbled it, and he picked it up, and he bobbled it again, and then he looked at the baseball in his glove, and rather than throw it to second base like he was supposed to, like he was starting a double play, he just threw it in the upper deck. <laughs> so That ball wouldn't listen. I think he was a little frustrated. to get rid of it. <laughs> if you could only eat one fast food restaurant for the rest of your life, what would you choose? That's from Stephanie. Ooh. That's easy. Oh. I think I know what he's going with. Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A, yep. Chick-fil-A is up there mm. for me. We got a spot back home that it's only in Mississippi. It's called Awards. Awards is money. Yeah. And it's they've only got, I don't know, four or five of them, mostly in South Mississippi. They got great shakes, burgers. So I wish there were more awards. I'd go with awards. Yeah. The place I'm thinking, I mean, I, I, I don't have a favorite. I will go to any of the usuals. But the one that was out front of my hotel in uh, Northport that we talked about, Culver's. Culver's, yeah. Culver's. It's, I wouldn't. I guess it's you call it fast food. There's but there's a drive-through and they have good food and I really like them. Culver's. Yeah, Culver's is good. Yeah. All right, we got. An, uh, I know we're running out of time, but it was some really good ones I want to get to. First off, this one. This is for you, Joe. Did you ever face Phil Necro? And if so, how'd you do against him? That's from Danny in Asheville, North Carolina. Uh, that's an easy one. I did not face him. Okay. And uh, I'm I'm glad I didn't. It was so great. <laughs> yeah. He was really great. Uh, let's see. Greetings. My question is about the traveling party. How does the organization go about reserving rooms and floors for the players? And are there families who are allowed to stay in the rooms, or do they have separate floors? Do players have a curfew when they're on the road? Can families fly on the team charter? And who pays for the families? Go Braves. That's from Scott in McLeansville, North Carolina. That's a very good question. Excellent. Um, you ready, J-Chat? Go ahead. Uh, sure. I mean, how does the organization go about reserving rooms? That's done months and months and months, maybe seasons in advance as far as securing a number of rooms that the traveling party will require at each hotel in whatever city it happens. Don't, don't they usually sign contracts for yes. multiple years with hotels? Correct. Yes. yes. Uh, are families allowed to stay in the room? Of course. Um, 
do players have a curfew? No. Uh, everyone's treated like uh, grown men or women. Um, and can the family families fly on the team charter and who pays for the families? During the regular season, the answer to that is no because there's not enough room because of the type of plane we fly on. In the postseason, uh, you will see families uh, aboard the team charter. Yeah, last year we had two planes. We had a, the regular plane and the family plane. And they put us on the family plane. Mm-hmm. So it was us with players, their wives, kids. And then the other plane was guys who, I guess, didn't have wives or maybe yeah. didn't like their wives. Well, and, <laughs> and that's changed, too, over the years. Uh, there used to be uh, a family trip every year to, on a, for a road trip where that was the one you could bring your wife and all your kids and and pile on. And it was designated as such before the season started? At, well, yeah. Okay. That, that's the family trip. And uh, that went away. Huh. That went away. Can't tell you why. Don't know why. Yeah. It's unfortunate. But, yes, the, anytime the players' families are on the road, they didn't fly on the charter. They flew up commercially or on their own private jet, I guess. But the players definitely pay out of pocket for that. Yeah. Uh, if you owned the Braves, what's one thing you'd change? This is from Tom. Go, Jay Chad. We, we only have a few more minutes, though, Jonathan. Whew, I think that's a loaded <laughs> question, and I'm going uh, to uh, abstain. Oh, okay. <laughs> I would um, – I'd lift the smoking ban in the press box. Oh. I wouldn't mind having a cigar during a game here and there. Okay. That'd be mine. That's it. Pretty yeah, – yeah, pretty I know. It. I don't know. That's bogus. <laughs> Both of you. I'd have to think about that. Sit around. And How much listen. time do we have, Joe? <laughs> Sit around and listen to you guys all night, every night. Uh, what would you change? Uh, I just let families on the plane. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a good one. Um, I turned off my TV three years ago and don't miss anything other than watching the Braves. I do, however, get to listen to you guys every night on the radio, which has always been my preferred way of enjoying a game. I really love you guys in particular because I think both of you go out of your way to make every call interesting and different. Uh, the way you seem to make every home run call unique is most impressive and oftentimes quite humorous. I really enjoyed, uh, or I hate when announcers phone it in and make the same calls over and over, uh, especially when there are dumb calls to begin with. So thank you for that. Yeah, we appreciate that. I, I'm not, I don't want to condemn anybody else. I just don't like home run calls because not every home run is the same thing. So I don't want to call it the same way. Every I like that. Day. I like that about you too. Uh, you don't feel like you've got to incorporate that every time. You know, I told Joe when you were off this weekend, Ben, now that you bring that up, I was talking to Joe one day and I told him, I said, one of the things I think makes you, uh, that makes Ben so unique is the fact that every call is not the same. Yeah. Yeah, it's each. It's not easy to each do each individual call, and they're not scripted, folks. No, it's just it just happens. Um, but the fact that you do mix it up, uh, it's it's one thing that I really like about you. Well, thank you, appreciate that. There, you'd be surprised, folks. There is a guy who's in the Hall of Fame now, who was a former player, but he went in the Hall of Fame as a broadcaster, who had index cards, and he had his um, spontaneous remarks. Supposedly, they were all they're all written, all written out. down. Yeah, for various for various reasons, whatever might happen. He already. Had I don't know how there. you keep up with that. Well, he had a helper. <laughs> he had a person who wrote them and helped him sort them and keep them straight and and either hand them to him when the point was uh, due. Uh, it was just such a bad bad joke and it was horrible. And then there was another guy who's not in the Hall of Fame, who broadcast for many years on the radio, and he had a Rolodex that he sat right next to his um, scorebook. And it, it's not a bad idea when you want information, bio-information on right. a player, where they're from, how big they are, you know, if there's a special story about them. Uh-huh. I thought that was pretty cool if that's what it was about. Well, his wasn't. His were little, you know, drop-ins. Like words I want to get in. Or- yeah, yeah, little drop-ins that, were supposed to be spontaneous <laughs> and weren't. And one time, um, Jack Buck saw this guy with his Rolodex, and their booth was separated by just uh, a glass, and Jack Buck leaned out the window and yelled to the guy, hey, you know, it's not supposed to be that hard. <laughs> I thought that was the greatest line That's awesome. ever. 
to make the guy realize get rid of the Rolodex, yeah. which he didn't. But, uh, yeah, that's what's cool about uh, Ben's calls. They're all spontaneous and different. It's yeah. nice. I, I just To me, this is such a grand form of, of creativity. Um, I, I think that music is a grand form of creativity, and I think we kind of get to do that because we get to describe in our own way what's happening on the field. And when it comes to the medium of radio, we've got a completely blank canvas. Yep. TV, if I'm watching TV, I can see what the players' uniforms look like or what the weather is or what the score is. Our, our listeners are relying on all of that from us. And one of my biggest challenges to myself is find creative ways to bring that to people every single night. It's easy to say the same thing over and over again. My challenge, and I would, say, I would tell this to young broadcasters, Call the game, but find different ways to bring the game. It's easy to say the same thing everybody else is saying, but find different, unique, creative ways to bring people the game and use different words. Um, and, and to me, that's that's a, a fun form of creativity that we get to do on radio, and it's one of my favorite things about what we do. Very descriptive. We are out of time, unfortunately. But uh, if you just haven't gotten enough yet, after an hour and four minutes, you can listen to our entire broadcast tonight. We will have the Braves and the Phillies game two in this series tonight. And even if you're listening to this uh, a, a day from now, a week from now, a month from now, we're, we're going to be on the air every single night through yeah. October. And, and you can this is really a collection of good questions. We appreciate it. Yeah, they were. Thank you so much for being out there. Our email address, bravesbooth at gmail.com. And uh, for those of you listening tonight on the Braves Radio Network, we'll talk to you then for Jay Chad and also for Joe. I'm going to go make a PB&J. Oh, nice. Yeah, good. Make, make sure two. you get two, three knives. Make two. <laughs> I'm Ben Ingram. You've been inside the Braves booth. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.